0: Luke chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion! For many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs and, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid, and those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be able to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Commonly used definition of faith could be believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what does that even mean? In a lot of conversations I've had, a person might be very quick to assure me, I believe in God, as if believing in God equates to faith. Or if there's somebody who seems to have really dropped off in their faith, and so they, at one time, you know, they started out strong and they were regulars at church and and, and they would often be praying and and reading their Bible, but everything sort of just seems to drop off and now it's sort of a bit hard to tell them from everybody else in the world. And if I'm talking to them, they might be quick to tell me, well, I still believe in God, as if faith is believing that God exists. And even strong Christians, when they're talking about someone whom they love, especially if it's someone who's just died, um, they might be quick to say, well, he had a faith. He believed in God. It was in his own way. And I suspect they're trying to assure themselves Of what they know isn't true that they're desperately wanting their loved one to be saved but the closest thing that they have of evidence to that is they believe that God exists and so if I'm in a conversation with someone and they tell me they believe in God I want to explore with them what does that mean for you and how does Jesus make a difference to your life And some folk can articulate that very clearly. Others aren't so sure. And if they're not sure, that doesn't mean that they don't have faith because some people have a very strong faith. They're just not able to explain it well. And so the next thing I do is I just ask them, well, what do you pray about? And whether a person is praying or not, that reveals a lot about where they're at with God. And we know that, don't we? If, if, If a person or if I rarely pray, or if I don't pray at all, that says a lot about my relationship with God. It's not going very well. And what we pray, that reveals a lot about where we're at with God too, whether we're praying for the things of God or whether we're praying for things of the flesh. You see, believing that there is a God, that's not the sort of faith that saves In James chapter 2, James uses a bit of sarcasm to make his point. He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even demons believe and they shudder. Believing that God is real never saved anybody. Even the demons believe that. And that's what we saw in today's Bible reading. Uh, It is when we believe in him. Faith is about trusting in him, having faith in him, us being in Christ and him being in us. And that's what a saving faith looks like. And the mark of being a Christian, right, the way that, that God marks those who are his is by filling us with his Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is in us, he will transform us to make us more like himself. And I'm hoping that many of you have experienced that in your life. And I pray that everyone who's listening to this message today would experience this, that through faith, they would know that the Holy Spirit is in them and that they would experience the Spirit changing them from within. Now, where am I going with this? In the Bible reading we just read, Jesus encounters a man who has a different sort of spirit, an evil spirit. Actually, it's a multitude of evil spirits. And in the church, when it comes to the topic of evil spirits, there are two extremes of belief. Uh, Some folk, um, well, they worry that there's an evil spirit under every rock and behind every disease. And they believe that anyone, including Christians, if they have any significant problems in their life, oh, it's because an evil spirit's got a hold of you um, and you're you're being possessed or or oppressed by an evil spirit. And some folk get a great deal of excitement out of hunting down, naming and dispatching multitude of spirits and and demons, right? So that's one extreme where just about every trouble is blamed upon the devil and his evil minions, the other extreme is the more common extreme, and that is to deny that evil spirits exist altogether. Some will say, well, they were prolific around the time of Jesus, but not anymore. Or others will just write them off altogether as the ignorance of the ancients, right? So back then, they didn't have the science that we have now, and they don't have the medicine that we have now. And, and so if they didn't understand it, they just put it down to demons, Right, so that's the two extremes. The truth, I believe, is what the Bible shows us. And what I discover as we read the Bible is, is many human conditions, many sicknesses and diseases were medical stuff. Some were the result of evil spirits. And many evil things that people do, the evil deeds that are simply the fruit of the sinful nature, Right? That our sinful nature is causing us to do evil. Most sin is like that. But then other sins. Well, it might be starting out with a sinful nature, but it also then becomes acting out the will of the demon. In today's Bible reading, the, the man is described as being demon-possessed. The Greek word is actually a verb, a verb is a doing word, and this is a passive verb, which means the man is having something done to him. The man was being possessed by the demon. Now, if you're anything like me, you would probably want to know what happened. What what did this man do that was so evil, that was so terrible, that, that let these demons a multitude of demons, mind you, get a foothold in his life and take, up, take over his body and his mind. What did he do to, for that to happen? And if that's the answer you're looking for today, I'm sorry, I'm going to disappoint you. We're not told what happened. But we are given a possible hint. Jesus crossed over Lake Galilee. He crossed over from Jewish territory into the country of the Gerasenes which was Gentile territory, and we, we can know for sure that it was Gentile territory because there was a, a running a, a great big herd of pigs there, and you don't run pigs in Israel. You go broke if you do because pigs were an unclean food, like people wouldn't eat pigs, so you don't set up a piggery in Israel, but the Gentiles, that's, where they, that's what they would eat. And so they're in Gentile country. Now, what is it about Gentiles? Well, Gentiles didn't worship the Lord our God. The Gentiles worshipped a multitude of other gods. They had a multitude of gods, a multitude of idols. It's what we call paganism. And God's word tells us that there is only one God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. And any other worship to any other gods or so-called gods isn't worship of gods at all. To worship any other god than the true god is to worship a demon. Right? So the Gentiles were caught up in demon worship. They didn't know it was demon worship, but that's what it was. So let me explain what I understand demon possession to be. Think of it as the opposite to being filled with the Holy Spirit. So to become a Christian, we repent of sin, we surrender our lives to Jesus, and through the blood of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. We are created anew. The Holy Spirit moves in and lives inside of us. He takes up residence in us and he transforms us, making us more and more like our Lord and master, Jesus Christ. The opposite of that, is when a person doesn't repent of sin, it's when they embrace sin and when they surrender their lives to sin. And they don't embrace the Lord Jesus Christ, they don't surrender themselves to Jesus, instead they surrender themselves to the evil one and they worship the evil one. So this is especially prevalent when people worship other gods because they're worshiping demons. Or in our culture, it might be when somebody dabbles in the occult or when they take mind-altering drugs to try and help them to connect with with the dark spirit world. As people do these things, their lives are being surrendered to Satan. And so the devil and his evil minions move in. And by the devil or or the demons taking up resonance, the person will become more and more like their lord and master, the evil one. So that's probably the simplest way that I can explain demon possession to you. And that's why I personally, um, I I get quite distressed as I drive through, even even in this town of St George, sometimes I'll see in somebody's front yard a little Buddha or something. Do people realise that when they put an ornament like that in their yard, that this is actually a sign of of worshipping a demon because that's what idolatry does. Or folk might bring a little trinket home from their trip overseas, a a tiki or some other thing from the Pacific Island or whatever and put it up on their mantelpiece. These things are idols, they're demons. And and by giving these things honour in our homes is... To give honor to a demon, and that's also why I would never, um, I would never take part in things like yoga or tai chi. Now these things now are being promoted by the medical fraternity he's saying, "Oh, they have wonderful health benefits, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But the fact of the matter is, for Christians, we should be aware that that these things are all practices from Eastern religions, and their original purpose was all, and the movements that that are scripted and whatnot, which are to do with these things, are actually part of the worship of demons. So I just encourage you, if somebody says to you, oh, for health benefits, you probably should take this up, um, think again. There's other ways, there's other exercises that you can do that are not um, part of demon worship. So what do we learn from this reading? Firstly, Demons are real. When a person surrenders themselves to, to a demon, to evil, a demon can get a foothold in their life. And the more control that's surrendered to the evil one, the more control the devil takes. Now, in most cases um, that we see where Jesus encountered a person with an evil spirit, um, it seems like there was only one at a time. And, but in this case, there were many. When Jesus said to him, what's your name? He said, legion. For there were many demons who entered him. I don't think that legion was his actual name. I think it was his way of saying, there's an army of us here. There's a lot of us here. And in a Roman legion, that would number in their thousands. I think around about 6,000, I think, in a Roman legion. There's certainly enough demons there that every single pig was taken over by at least one or more demons when Jesus drove them out. And and as this encounter unfolds, it becomes obvious that demons are personal evil beings. They're not just a spiritual force. They have names. They communicate. They have emotions. In this case, he was terrified. They have a will. And how did it affect the man? Well, they had control over him and it was destructive control. Um, There was a disregard for personal dignity. He wore no clothes. There was social isolation. He'd withdraw from interactions with people and, and live out in the wilderness. There was a macabre fascination with death. He lived in a cemetery surrounded by tombstones. There was demonic control over his speech. When he saw Jesus, he screamed in terror. ah! And then he begged, Jesus, don't send me to the abyss. Uh, The abyss, by the way, that's the bottomless pit, which is spoken of in Revelation, where the devil and his demons are going to be chained until they await the day of judgment. Just before the day of judgment, they're going to be released for a short time. And then on the day of judgment, they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. That's their fate. That's where they're going to end up. But the abyss, the bottomless pit, is the step in between. And so they could could speak. But did you notice that another characteristic of the demonic is shouting, right? He cried out. He used a loud voice. Uh, And there's, there's something gentle in the way that the godly speak. Whereas yelling is more akin to the demonic. Now, I'm not sure that I would trust the spiritual credentials of a shouter because it, it doesn't really fit well with the, the picture of the fruit of the spirit of gentleness. And the demons enabled supernatural power. I mean, let's, let's not get away from the fact demons do have power, a supernatural power. And that's what, that's what makes them attractive to some people. Um, There are people who actually worship the devil. Why? Because, A, their hearts are so evil, they want to reject God as hard as they can, but also because some people are seeking spiritual power. Uh, It is an inferior power, and it's an evil power, and it's a destructive power. But this bloke, he had superhuman strength. When those who tried to restrain him put him in chains and shackles, he broke them. Ordinary people can't do that. And he had supernatural knowledge. This gets me, like the disciples have been walking with Jesus for ages now and he keeps doing these miracles and he's trying to get them to realise who he is and they still haven't got it. But as soon as Jesus sets foot up on the banks out of the lake, this evil spirit says, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. He knew just straight away who Jesus was. Terrified him, terrified him. And so he is violent, he rejected authority. The demons ultimately lead to to destruction. Everything about this man is a picture of oppression and destruction. And as soon as Jesus cast the demons out of the man and they entered the pigs, the pigs hit self-destruct mode. And they rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Now, a lot of what's being described here can be confused with mental illness. Have you noticed that? A lot of what's being described can be confused with mental illness. Some of those symptoms are very similar. And I suspect that in earlier years, many cases of mental illness were probably incorrectly put down to the work of demons. But I also suspect that today, some folk who are possessed by demons are diagnosed as being mentally ill. Now, I'm not God, and I'm not a doctor. I can't tell the difference. Um, But the good news is, Jesus has power over demons. On the banks of Lake Galilee, a battle took place. The only son of God, up against a legion of demons, possibly thousands of them, And they screamed in terror because they knew what they were up against. And Jesus didn't shy away from that battle. In fact, he crossed over the lake to get there. And what a comfort it is to know that the Lord Jesus Christ, he's able to deal with the worst of sins. He's able to deal with the worst of evils. He's able to take the broken and restore them. And he's able to bring a person to their rightness of mind when Jesus cast the demons out of that man, from then on, he was completely changed. We're given a picture of him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Can you imagine the, the, the difference? Like we see people who become Christians and yes, yeah, some have a real big turnaround in their life. But you're probably not going to see a bigger turnaround than that right there. Used to run around like a crazy thing with no clothes on, hating, but then just gently sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. And when the villagers heard about it, they came to see for themselves, and that was just all too much for them. They they were afraid. They were so afraid. They said to Jesus, can you just get out of here, please? Um, Now, some folk say, oh, I think it was probably what happened to the pigs that, that made them so afraid. I, I actually don't think that it really reads that way. I think it was when they saw the total turnaround in the man. That's what made them so afraid. Now, I, I find this astonishing. Like on, on the Jewish side of the lake, whenever Jesus healed someone, oh, everyone would rush home and, and bring, bring other sick people to be healed as well. And when somebody had a demon driven out of them, oh, I think so-and-so might have a demon, they would bring their demon, that. People that they thought were demon possessed have them released as well, but not on this side of the lake. On this side of the lake, are so afraid. Jesus, just go away. We don't want you here. And we still see that variety of reactions in people today, don't we? Um, for some, when they encounter the activity of God, it opens their eyes, and yeah, I wanna be a part of this. Yes, I can see that this is real and, and the freedom that Jesus gives, we wanna be a part of that. But then others, I think it challenges their whole world view and it's not something they wanna be a part of because they're too tied to what they already are. You see, these people, they'd never seen spiritual power like this before, ever. Yes, they'd seen spiritual power, like they would lived in a culture that worshipped demons. They'd seen things, stuff happen. Even the power over this man, they would have understood. But the power that Jesus displayed was so much stronger and it was the power that demands a personal response. For them, they would have had to realise that this bloke's a Jew and his God is so much more stronger than our multitude of gods. For them, it would have demanded repentance, a whole change in life. Simply by the power of Jesus, he was challenging everything they knew. He was challenging their culture. He was challenging their religion. He was challenging their idolatry. He was challenging all of the years that they'd spent praying to these idols. He was challenging the whole belief system, and the gospel does that. The gospel challenges our culture in a very real and very powerful way. And so the choice was there for them to either accept Jesus or to reject Jesus. It's the same choice we all have. And they gave Jesus his marching orders. But of course, there was one person in Gerasene who did not reject Jesus, and that's the bloke that had been set free. He'd been set free from years of, of bondage to evil. And what a good news story that is. So, what do we learn from this spiritual victory that Jesus achieved? One, Jesus is the one who has power to overcome evil. Jesus is the one who can set us free from any spiritual bondage. Um, Disciples of Jesus, we have no reason to fear Satan or his demons. Our God is so much stronger and our God is with us. The second thing we learn from this spiritual victory is what a blessing it is to be restored to having a right mind. When the man was set free, he became prudent. He had once again self-control and that's something that he hadn't had for many years. And so Jesus restored him to a rightness of mind. And we live in a world that is becoming increasingly godless. And at the same time, um, it probably shouldn't be a surprise that mental illness is on the rise. Now, as I said before, I don't know how much mental illness is genuine men- mental illness and how much of it has a spiritual component. But I believe Jesus has the power to heal and Jesus has the power to set us free from evil. Therefore, Jesus has the power to restore us to a right mind. And that's why that's what we pray for. We pray for those who, as I get older, I realise old people start to lose their marbles a bit at times, and we can pray for them, that the Lord would give them a presence of mind. And I know that every time um, when I would go to, the, to Warrawee to, to give a church service there and a bit of teaching, I'd always pray beforehand, Lord, I ask that you would clear the fog and give them a rightness of mind that they would hear the gospel and know and be able to respond to your word this morning. The third thing we learn from this spiritual victory is once we've been saved, we know we want something different. As soon as this man was set free, he just wanted to be with Jesus. Up, and, up until then, he didn't want to have anything to do with him. Get away, get away. Um, but when Jesus was getting in the boat to leave, let me come with you. Please, 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 can I come with you? Please, 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 I just want to be with you. He wanted to flee his old life. And that's a good thing. In his hometown, he would have been surrounded by the idolatrous pagans. All of his old ways would have been there. And he would much, much rather be with Christians. And, and that's, that's a true sign of a, of a turnaround. You know, somebody might just, why would I want to hang out with Christians? But then they become a Christian themselves. And it's like, wow, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. These people are just, I'm, I just want to be with them. I want to enjoy their company. Uh, I was talking with Kevin this morning. That's what fellowship is about, isn't it, Kevin? We, we, we just love being with one another and sharing with one another and encouraging one another. He would much rather be with other Christians. And I notice this, especially among younger Christians. When a person reaches a stage in their life and, and and God starts becoming real to them, and and they start getting real with God, Um, what I notice is many people. I I just want to be with other Christians, especially the same age as me. And sometimes, uh, when it comes to rural churches, that's actually a pretty big drain on the Christian witness in a country town. Because some get a taste for the for the size of, of the fellowship in, in a large, larger town. And wow, there's a lot of Christians here and I want to be here. And so the fourth thing we learn from this spiritual victory is to be a witness wherever we are. The man begged to be able to go away and be with Jesus And Jesus' word to him was, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Now That's a tough thing. This bloke, he's a brand new Christian. He just wants to be with Jesus. He wants to be with other Christians. And Jesus' word to him was, no, no, you stay right where you are. I got work for you to do here. And that's exactly what he did. He he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus has set us free. He has set us free from sin. He set us free from all sorts of spiritual bondage. Sometimes we want to flee from where we are because we feel Oh, I can be a much more spiritual person, have a much better spiritual experience if I go over to this other place. But I believe Jesus would say to us the same as what he said to that man, don't flee. Be where you are and declare how much God has done for you. Every one of you has a story to tell there to declare how much God has done for you. If you're having trouble thinking, well, what has God done for me? Well, maybe you need to have a bit of time thinking and praying about it and reading his word. And you're going to see and be reminded how much God has done for you. Every one of us has a testimony and a story to declare in the place where we live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and we worship you for sending your Son. Lord Jesus Christ, you have power and authority. Satan and his demons cringe before you. You overcome evil. You overcome death. You overcome sin and corruption and wickedness. You restore to right-mindedness and we praise you lord we thank you that you have saved us from evil by your holy spirit you produce in us a rightness of mind and lord we want to flee from evil and to glory in you but give us strength and joy as we declare right where we are as we declare in this very town and in this district how much God has done for us. To you be the glory, in Jesus' name, amen.